Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to another Foul Front Podcast. I'm your host per usual, Matt, and joining me once again is my buddy Thomas. Thomas, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Just uh, kind of getting settling back, settled back in after a long weekend down in Arkansas, and pretty much Arkansas is in the rearview mirror now, and game fairs a week away. So no rest for the weary up here. Um, big things right around the corner. So yeah, just getting ready for show number two of the summer. How about you? Oh yeah. Well, I I just got back from Rogers Week, and it's my uh, first time I've actually been to one of these waterfowl shows. So that was pretty pretty fun time. And uh, I'm sure we'll go into a little bit more about both of those here. But main thing, we're about three weeks away from, you know, hunting season. So looking forward to that. That's the, you know, the countdown is officially on and uh, it'll be here hopefully before we know it. Yep. Right around the corner. Have you seen any birds, any blue wings, I guess, start to show up in your area yet? Uh. Well, I actually, there's, so there's not a lot of areas with water. All our early spring waters kind of dried up. There's like a few though that like deeper ponds that still have some. And I saw some mallard ducklings and five blue wings last week. So hard to say if those are just kind of lazy and didn't want to migrate north or if they're, you know, new arrivals. But as we're recording this, uh, we had a cold front roll through yesterday. going to be lows in the, I think low fifties tonight. And we had a 30 mile an hour North wind. So if that didn't push some in, I'd be surprised. Yep. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw the first, the first flock show up around here. Uh, what was it? Two days ago now. Cause there's been a spot that I drive by pretty regularly and it's kind of like a good ducky spot. It has a bunch of vegetation in it. And, you know, I'm always just looking whenever I drive past it, I'm looking for ducks and it had, a handful of blue wings in it this a couple of days ago for the first time all summer long. So pretty sure that was probably the first uh, first flock of blue wings headed down from wherever they come from up north. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got, I've there's wetlands, so the moisture has been much appreciated. You know, the crops are actually growing this year, and where the wetlands were, where there was water, there's smartweed now and barnyard grass. So that's all teal food. All we need is just a nice two inch, three inch shower on those and uh, we'll be in business. But if not, <laughs> we're gonna have to put some miles on again this year. Heck but. yeah. Well, I want to hear about how your first waterfowl show went. It's crazy for me to think that 
you know, you've been doing the waterfowl YouTube for this long. This is your first time going to a show. I guess there really isn't one local to you, so I shouldn't be that surprised. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm really interested to hear what you got into and how you enjoyed it. Yeah, so they had uh, the Rogers Waterfowl Weekend, and uh, it was Friday, Saturday. I couldn't go Friday because I had to work, um, but I was able to go there Saturday. Got up early, drove down there, and uh, it was just crazy. Never been to Rogers before, and so I, <laughs> I, it took me a few hours after even getting there to get into the store because there was just a line of people, and I was like, eh, I'm not going to stand in line to go in there, and uh, it's just crazy. It's like there's all kinds of fishing stuff and a lot of duck hunting stuff, mainly duck hunting stuff and goose hunting stuff, which, you know, that's exactly what I like to see there. And then just all kinds of people. So that was really fun. You know, we talked duck hunting a lot. Uh, a lot of the flyways members were there. Uh, Elliot from freelance duck hunting, Jordan from duck Gun chronicles and Josh from outdoor limits. So it was kind of unfortunate you and Titus couldn't be there, but when well, we, we had a good time, uh, just there was all kinds of ammunition companies and other decoy companies with all their like new products out. And, uh, was it? there was, I want to say lucky duck was like close to the FA booth. And there was like a dove that would try to land. Like they were working the spinners at some points throughout the day. So that was really fun. Uh, Kent had this dude, he was in a, like a shot shell mascot costume it was a black shot shell and he was wearing black sleeves and black gloves and it's 90 degrees and like 90% humidity. And this dude's walking around. I'm like, I do not want to be you, man. I was, I was dying. I was dying in this humidity and heat. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm over it. I'm ready for, ready for some frost and some ice and stuff. But yeah, so <laughs> could have been a I lot hope he was worse. Getting, <laughs> yeah. I hope he was getting paid a good hourly rate. Cause we did uh we did the dive bomb squad fest last year and that was kind of the same sort of situation out on a black pave black um parking lot and let me tell you like we cooked out there uh, on that and we're not wearing black I can I can only imagine. Well, the so the rumor going around was that whoever does it and I think they had two people so they had a morning shift and an afternoon shift and whoever did it got a case of Kent shells so whatever like their choice of Kent shells. So that, you know, a couple hundred bucks for three or four hours walking around, I guess, you know, I'd pencil out to 50, $50 an hour or more. So I, I still want to do it for that, I guess maybe, <laughs> maybe like five cases or something, but <laughs> no, it was, it was fun time. Um, probably the, the coolest thing from the weekend besides just hanging out with like, you know, the other, other flyways guys was uh, Josh or no, sorry final approach had like a whole pool of decoys and they had new decoys for this season so they had all the the ones they've had but they have a couple new ones coming out they've got like these smaller they're like smaller size gadwall and widget and pintail and stuff but what i was excited about is they they're coming out with coot decoys this year they had them here at in this pool and i was like yep i need some of those so i'm gonna be ordering some fa coot decoys for this upcoming year. And then they had, uh, they had some divers too. They had canvas back and greater scop and redhead decoys. So probably going to get some of them too, but yeah, it was just a, you know, a fun time and everyone's talking, uh, talking duck hunting. Usually when you go to like some hunting shows or hunting banquets, unless it's like a D or Delta event, it's, uh, a lot of deer hunters or, you know, they're all, they're all talking big game, which, that's fine, but you know, I, I want to talk ducks. So it was right up my alley. I was, I was pretty pumped about it. Of all the booths there, who did you feel like besides final approach had the coolest display? Like what, what booth were you drawn to the most? Oh, um, I can't even think of what their name was now that it was like a, a really light decoy system, uh, like a foam fill kind of deal or something. I, I don't know if, I don't want to say it was lifetime. It was something else. I want payday. Heyday, that's it. Yeah, because they had so they had a UTV with like a whole big. I think they called it like the quack rack or something. Had this whole big thing on there, and they had decoys rigged up on it, and they had this whole big like RV or trailer type deal, just all kinds of fancy stuff. That one definitely caught my eye. Um, 
Delta was there and they had pelts out and they had like miniature nesting um, boxes and stuff. And I went, went and talked to them. <laughs> Actually, I showed up with my DU hat that I usually wear and they're like, you got a Delta hat? Well, if not, we'll give you one. And there's, <laughs> they gave me a Delta hat. So <laughs> got, got me a new hat for the, for the season. Nice camo Delta hat. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And there's all kinds of, there was Higdon was there. Um, they had these like silhouette spinner things. Like you put them on individual silhouette spinners. So I hadn't seen those before. Those were kind of cool. And that, they had them on like, I don't know how many silhouettes. So they're just like moving back and forth the whole day. It was just crazy. But yeah, there was all kinds of, all kinds of stuff going on. There was uh, some call people there and they were, uh, you know, they were just hammering on the calls, even elk bugles. So <laughs> kind of out of place in Missouri of all places, but yeah, it was, it was a fun time and turtle box was there and they were <laughs> every now and then they'd have their speaker going and they just throw it in the pool where like the FA decoys were and then it still worked underwater. So I don't know. It'd be kind of cool to take on a tubing trip, I think. But yeah, yeah, those things are, those things are legit. We have, we have a couple up here and um, we, we put them through the ringer and they still, still haven't been able to break them. So yeah, those things are pretty legit, but yeah, it's cool to hear. Like I did, did the duck and goose calling wear on you at any point or was, were you able to kind of tune it out? I mean, you know, everyone, everyone's hammering on the calls and I'm just, <laughs> one point Josh got his calls out and then I was, I was just, uh, poking a little fun at him and I started mouth calling. I'm like, rah, rah, rah. just, uh, I, I thought it sounded really good. So, uh, but no, I, I kind of just tuned him out. Yeah. You almost have to like develop that skill at these shows or else like, especially with the longer shows, like with Delta and especially like working the call booth, like it was like a it's like a progression day one, you know, it's the first day of the show. You're fired up. Like you want to hear all the calls. You want to hear people ripping on them day two. It's like, all right. I mean, it's kind of lost its luster, but it's not annoying me yet. And then on Sunday, the third day, if you're not able to tune them out, like it'll drive you nuts. Like <laughs> you gotta just have some sort of filter or like what Corey does at, uh, at game fair like he'll bring his hearing protection and just put them on because like oh, especially nice. if you're working the call booth i mean people are just blowing the call directly in your face all day long which like that's what we want but at the same time it, it is a it's a give and take because it uh it'll certainly wear on you oh yeah so so let's hear about the delta the delta uh yeah what's the official name of it i guess the delta expo or yeah Del delta waterfowl expo it was really cool. It was my first time um, doing that show. I want to say it's their third year having it. Um, it's in Little Rock, super nice convention center. Like of all the shows I've been to, it's probably the nicest facilities. Uh, just very, very, I don't know, well organized and stuff like that. So we got set up on Thursday. Um, show went Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was definitely like... Uh, a tale of two days, I guess two days and three, like Friday and Saturday, Friday and Sunday were very similar. Uh, just not a ton of people there. I guess Friday was a lot of like um, local guys who were, you know, getting off from the office and coming down or, or younger guys who weren't in school. Sunday was a lot of families, but Friday and Sunday attendance wasn't anything remarkable. Um, but Saturday was nuts. Saturday, that place was wall to wall. I think they said 30,000 people came through there on Saturday. So yeah, it was nuts. I mean, I had someone ch trying out a call pretty much all day long um, <laughs> and it ran from nine to five. So really cool show. I it's It was like a different sort of show because I feel like Arkansas is kind of unique in that hunting is the culture down there. It's not like other parts of the country where, you know, if people go waterfowl hunting, the majority go out for opening day or a couple weekends. Like such a large percentage of the guys down there like live for those 60 days and they go so hard in those 60 days that uh it really felt like you were just immersed in duck hunting culture down there uh and just really good people um a lot of fun to see people try out our calls and i really got a lot of good feedback you know we had our we just came out with a new duck call the harlot uh, which is a J-frame style d duck call. And if you know much about Arkansas, everybody down there these days seems to blow a cut down. Like in the last 
four to five years, cut downs have become the trend down there. So it was really interesting to see those guys who were used to blowing a cut down try out our J frame. We got a lot of good, a lot of good responses about it, a lot of good feedback. So uh, yeah, really, really cool to see those guys try out the duck calls. And honestly, I was really surprised that a lot of those guys were were looking for goose calls too. A lot more Canada goose hunters in Arkansas than I expected. So overall, just huh. really cool show. Good people um arkansas the if you've never been to a waterfowl show or like especially if you've never been i guess in a waterfowl show you don't realize like how much waterfowl hunters like like to party like the nightlife at that show was was pretty insane josh and me had a good time um on friday night and then yeah had a had a good time pretty much every night after the show so um always cool to kind of just I mean, it's like, you know, you're in there for six to eight hours. You got to unwind afterwards. So it's always fun to go. You know, everybody seems to communicate well and everybody ends up at the same bar, same function or whatever and hang out with a bunch of people. So that's always a lot of fun, too. Yeah. So we got this because uh, we're all the all, everyone in the Flyways Collective is in this Marco Polo app where you send like little video clips and stuff. And so. I think it was Thursday night because uh, I had to work yeah, I, the next day. So like late Thursday night, I'm already in bed. I wake up the next morning and here's Thomas and Josh at this bar trying to find Thomas, his future wife. And I never had a, you know, we never heard if you did, did you, did you find the future Mrs. Hoke at this bar in Arkansas? No, I have, I have a girlfriend. Josh just was pulling. Oh, blowing smoke. Okay. Like, <laughs> I was in no way looking for anything down there, so <laughs> nope. But yeah, I mean, it was a good time. It was a, it's kind of a unique. I mean, we're totally off topic now, but it was a very unique bar. It was a piano bar, so I'd never been to one of those before. So it was kind of like, um, I don't know what to call it, like concert seating, or I don't know. It's like a bunch of tables, kind of in a little semicircle with a piano up on stage in the middle of it, and you know, you could put in song requests, and they had a, like a big blackboard behind it that you could. It was like a you could pay and pay to put your message on it and it progressively went higher. So it started at $1 and it just went up throughout the night. So you kind of had a back and forth between a bunch of different companies on there. Like it was like Kent over Migra. And then someone, you know, the <laughs> next person who put it in was like heavy shot over Migra. And it just like kept going on and on with different companies like every night. So it was fun. Like, you know, the waterfowl community is very small and, uh, I'd say people get, people get along really well. So it's, it's always fun to go out and um, just see people in a, not such a formal setting. Cause at the shows, you know, everybody's working, but it's nice to be able to unwind with everybody and, or, you know, really get to talk to them. Oh yeah. I guess I should mention at this Rogers weekend there actually, I did see a Virginia outdoors unlimited hat. Yeah. Jordan sent me that. Jordan sent me that picture. I was like, I I would I would have bet good money that anybody who bought because I think the last time I think I sold the last one of those like three years ago like I would have figured every single one of those was sweated through and um you know donezo so yeah that was really really cool to see it made me think I should probably probably get some shirts or some yeah shirts or hats made sometime soon there <laughs> there was some hilarious shirts there this weekend there's one I can't even repeat over this Elliot and I had a great <laughs> chuckle at it though um but the other probably the second funniest one I saw was it just said skybuster and it had an arrow pointing to the left I'm like I want that shirt that thing is awesome <laughs> so just oh that was that was pretty good I'm trying to think what else there I mean there was some really good one another one was uh I'm not a game warden I swear or something so, <laughs> I should have asked that guy if he actually was, you know, like if you're a game warden, you got to tell me something, but <laughs> well, so. you always hear that. Like, that's like a common phrase or trope is that like, Oh, you know, if they're a game warden, they got to tell you, which I don't think it's true, but like, yeah. it'd be funny to go up and ask them. Yeah. So, I mean, that, like you said, that it seemed like a bunch of a good people and just uh, everyone in there for ducks and geese and just having a, having a pretty good time. So yeah, they were, it, it it was fun. I'm looking forward to doing it again. Hopefully, so. Yeah, yeah. I would like. I'd like to make it out to that one next year. It's kind of, you know, the show the show season. I guess for waterfowl, like all of it falls in July and August. So 
uh, for us being up here in Minnesota. You gotta kind of got to pick your pick your shows to go to. Otherwise, I would have been on the road like every single day, every single weekend this summer, uh, just burning up gas. So that would have had to, uh, yeah, had to kind of narrow down the list. So, but I would like to make it out to that that one next year. Yeah. So I guess you know we let's uh kind of pivot to looking to the season ahead. Um, I know you've got a trip that may or may not be planned. Um, I had a trip that I was hopefully planning on that one, unfortunately fell through. So I didn't draw my swan tag to Utah this year. Oh, dang. Yeah. Hopefully next year, um, is the year we can get her done, but that's okay. You know, um, I, I feel like I can plan on it more next year. Uh, cause I mean, the more points you get, the more, likelihood of a chance you get you know so um that's all right maybe it'll rain some more out there and hopefully be just as good next year have you been hearing stuff from out there like do you have some some friends out there or anything like that i've got a couple contacts um i just know i've seen over the years like how much the great salt lake has shrank and i don't even know if you know if that's where we were gonna go swan hunting or whatnot but um, you know, it'd be cool if it filled up or <laughs> went up, went the opposite direction of what it has been. So, yeah, but. I have, I have one friend out there and he said this year, um, I hope I'm, I hope you won't be mad at me for saying this, but he said this year is like the best water year they've had in a long time. Cause they got a really good snowpack. They caught a lot of runoff and he said, he's just seeing a ton of, um, hatch birds out there seems like the birds have responded to the water increasing out there. So yeah, hopefully next, you know, get another good snow year and uh, they'll just keep on rising. Yeah. So let's, let's hear about your, uh, your trip that I wasn't even told about until I went to the Rogers weekend. <laughs> yeah. I could have swore I told you about it, but um, uh, it's all right. I think I'm going to be up in Alaska for September. Uh, nice. Yeah, got an opportunity to go up there. Um, Corey's been up there for a lot of the summer, so got an opportunity to go to that same area that he's kind of been, you know, spending his entire summer salmon fishing um, at. And uh, yeah, go duck hunt up there. Go catch the uh, hopefully swing it, swing in just in time for the fall coho silver salmon run, and uh, spend a few weeks just duck hunting and silver fishing. So. I'm really looking forward to it. I honestly like haven't done any research about the duck hunting up there. Um, Corey has met a couple couple local duck hunters up there that I'm sure I'll be in touch with to, um, you know, just try and pick their brain and maybe get on some hunts with. But I'm going into it, I'd say, less prepared than I typically am for hunting trips because I like Alaska seems like such a cool place to me where the opportunity for exploration is almost endless. And that's kind of what I want the feel of this trip to be. I want it to be a very exploration uh, minded trip instead of me going in with this entire plan and, you know, this huge list of Onyx pins and stuff like that. Like I just want to go up there and go where the wind takes me. So I'm uh yeah, really looking forward to that. And after that, probably come back to Minnesota stay here for a little while and then go wherever the wind takes me. I, uh, pretty sure I totaled my truck a couple days ago. So that, uh, that's probably going to put a little bit of a dent in the travel plans for this year, Ooh. but yeah. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I mean, I'm looking forward to this fall. Like Alaska is definitely the, the highlight or the thing I'm looking forward to most right now. I haven't booked my plane ticket yet. So that's the, that's the only thing left to do, but if any of y'all listening are from Alaska, reach out, shoot me um, a DM on Instagram or shoot me an email. Uh, and yeah, let me know if you're uh, in the Alaska area. So I think I'll, I guess it's not, I can probably just say I'm probably going to be out on the Kenai Peninsula. So if, yeah, if you're in that area, give me a holler. Okay. So I just pulled up the Alaska waterfowl regs. You can hunt swans. You can shoot three swans on a permit. You can only get one permit a year, but from September 1st to October 31st, cranes are open. Pretty much all the geese are open. Sea ducks. Yeah, it's, it's, 
It's like Canada. Like they open September one. It's eight ducks a day with no species restrictions except on canvasbacks and I want to say redheads. Like you can go up there and shoot eight pintails a day starting on September one. Not that that's like a goal of mine or anything like that, but uh, I mean it, it's legal to do up there. So yeah, definitely a very different set of regulations. I'm I. I'm pretty sure the swan permit is for a very specific zone. I don't think it's for the Kenai Peninsula. So I don't think I'll be um, chasing any swans up there, but I'm most looking forward to trying to chase um, ducks and cranes up there. Yeah. You better be filming that. Like, I don't even care if you're fishing. You better be. I want to see all that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try to, the whole, whole idea is go up there and hunt fish and, video the adventure because i mean that's like the like a, the one thing about alaska it's like if you go there it's always going to be an adventure you know as long as you as long as you don't kind of hunt the same spot every day like there's endless opportunities up there and if you're looking at the map for up there there's so much water everywhere like i man like, scouting is going to be kind of daunting but i'm looking forward to it yeah that that sounds awesome, honestly. Like, I'm just thinking because, like, you're, you're going to see the northern lights, all the mount, like, there's mountains up there you can see, and then just, like, bears and moose and all kinds. You're just going to see all kinds of cool stuff and, like, duck hunting that, in that area. Man, that sounds awesome. I'm super jealous of you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only thing I'm, I wouldn't even say I'm worried about it, but, like, I, hope i don't get ate alive by mosquitoes i don't want to get ate by a bear and i don't want to get stomped by a moose so i want to see bear and moose but i don't want to run into one at five or six o'clock in the morning walking in to set up a spread so i uh yeah i'd be very happy <laughs> if i kept my bear and moose encounters to a somewhat of a distance i think i probably will like depending on where i'm duck hunting there's a good chance i'm carrying in a sidearm when i go into some duck hunting spots um yeah just like, I'd fill your pockets full of berries and maybe like a, a T-bone. <laughs> just carry that with you. Just to throw out in case you see a bear. Filleting out your ducks mid-hunt and cooking them is, is heavily encouraged in Alaska. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Optimal oh. wildlife viewing experiences if you do that. Yeah. But no, Optimal no, that's that sounds awesome. I I def I mean Alaska's towards the top of my bucket list for hunting you know i want i want to do the king eider thing up there and all the sea ducks um like a harlequin or i think you can shoot harleys up there right yeah i don't know there i don't know what the limits are i know it it differs up there between residents and non-residents but i think you can shoot uh a few of them as a non-resident yeah see i'd it'd be an expensive trip. Cause I'd, I'd want to get like an eider, well, a common and a king eider and a harlequin and a scoter. And then all those would go to the taxidermist. <laughs> so, but no, no, I'm looking forward to hopefully, hopefully you make that happen. And, uh, you get some cool footage and just cool pictures to send back to us. And yeah, I can't wait to, we'll talk about it on this, on the podcast here in the future, I'm sure. So yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You do a, need to get a different job already so you can take like a week off and come up and join me. I got, Corey said there's nah. plenty of, there's plenty of bunks up there. So like a hundred percent, all you would have to do would be to book a plane ticket. And I've, I feel like though, if I went up to Alaska for that long of time, I might just move there full time, you know, just. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm worried about. Like Corey shared a quote with me not too long ago. It was something I, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but it's something along the lines of never as a young man, never go to Alaska because nothing else will ever compare. And so I am a little worried that it's going to completely spoil everything else for me. But uh, I just love like, especially with waterfowl hunting, the variety of everything is what always keeps me coming back. Uh, The opportunity for new experiences and to see new birds and stuff like that. So um, I'm sure Alaska will be a very cool and new experience, but I'm sure there'll be other places I'll want to go waterfowl hunting after that as well. Oh yeah. So I guess let's talk about now that we're getting closer, let's talk about season goals. Um, like I, so I saw this on a Facebook 
uh, forum a couple, like maybe a week ago, they were asking, you know, all the other, it was in a hunting one. So what are your season goals? And that, that I thought that was a good question. Um, so what, what are your goals for this season besides go experience Alaska? <laughs> I just talked for a long time. So how about you go first on this one and I'll go second. That's, that's fair. Uh, so I guess I've got two goals and that, well, I've got more than two goals, but I have two goals every season when it comes to waterfowl hunting. Number one is lose no birds. Uh, that's, you know, that's my ultimate goal is I absolutely hate losing birds. And so I make that my number one goal each season for that reason. Last year, I, it was like, I, I want to say I only lost two or three, which is pretty good for the amount of birds I shot, but still I, I, I want a zero. I want, I want that number to always be zero. Um, as far as like, like, I don't, I don't care how many ducks I shoot. I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm not going to set a goal, um, for that. I feel like when you do that, if you set a goal on the day or on the season, it's gonna, it can take away from the overall hunting experience. You know, you, you put pressure on yourself like, Oh, I got to shoot a limit today, or I've got to shoot this many goals this season. And that can lead to, you know, unwanted pressure. It can lead so to that you not enjoying being out there as much. And it can lead to taking bad shots, um, you know, because of that pressure you're putting on yourself. So I never set that goal. I don't ever want to set that goal. Um, my, my second goal, though, I will say that I set is hunt as much as possible. And, you know, I, I, I do fairly well at that while having a full-time job and a girlfriend and all that good stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I, I always feel like I, I want to hunt more and this time of year it, it's a really good reminder where I'm missing it so much I'm missing those days out there watching the birds it doesn't matter if I'm shooting them it, I just I just like being out there that's that for me is why I do it is the enjoyment of being out of nature seeing all the you know seeing everything that we see in the experiences we get um, and I want to you know I want to have that as much as possible um, so when it's when it's 90 degrees and 90% humidity or mosquitoes are out or, you know, I'm sweating my butt off in the AC or whatever. I just, I remind myself during hunting season, like, even if I'm tired, you know, you just go out. Even, even if you don't shoot anything, you're still gonna, you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna kick yourself for, for going out. At least I won't be when it's this time of year, you're like, Oh, I really, I'm glad I did that rather than, you know, maybe sleep in and uh, you regret it in the summer. So those are my those two are, main goals. Yeah, those are both both great goals. And um, honestly, I, I'd say I probably only have three, maybe four, I guess. And two of those would be the exact same as what you just said. Um, my third goal would be I want to – I want to get – so – Obviously, for those that don't know, I got a puppy this year, this past November. Um, I've been training him the entire spring. He's down at the trainers uh, right now, Dynamic Retrievers um, for uh, Force Fetch. And, uh, you know, like I'd say probably most, especially first, you know, first time dog owners, like I was really hopeful that he would hunt this season. Um, really hopeful that he'd be hunting at the start of the season, you know, dove season and stuff like that. With me going up to Alaska, I'm probably just going to let him stay at the trainers for an extra month. Let him them really work work with him. They've been making their the progress they've been making with him compared to the progress I made with him is night and day. Like I am just such a rookie dog trainer, and Tim and his crew down there are so well experienced that I feel like him spending time with them is such a valuable investment. So. I'll probably let him stay down there for all of September until I get back. And then I just want to be really smart about easing him into this season. Like I, uh, ideally, you know, or hopefully I hope to still hunt him. Um, but I just want to be really smart about the hunts I take him on about how I, you know, how I, how I behave on those hunts, how I, the mindset that I go into those hunts with, uh, and I just, I don't want to do anything that's going to detract from the training that I've done and that Tim and his crew have done and also create bad habits and for the long term. So uh, I just want to be yeah really smart about that. And uh, I have a, I have a lot of good mentor mentors in the dog space. Um, obviously Corey has a lot of dogs. I've, 
um, talked with Elliot, some about dogs, just a bunch of different guys. So I have a lot of people who I can really, I feel like I have a very open line of communication with. I can ask them to really give myself another perspective on if me and Leroy are ready to begin hunting or if we uh, should wait a little longer and try and progress further in training. And then the only other one I would really have is I just want to try out some different game utilization techniques. Um, we're working up here with Corey last year. Corey, one of Corey's big things is game utilization. And I, I learned a ton from him uh, just last year, seeing how he processes game and cooks game. So I want to continue to learn more with that. Um, I would like to document more of it. I, I don't, I really dislike filming myself cooking but I don't mind filming someone else cooking. Like when I film myself cooking, I feel like I don't cook as well. And also I feel like the video never quite turns out as good as I would have hoped for. So I just want to make it more of a point to film stuff around the kitchen, whether it be uh, me filming Corey cooking or Corey filming me cooking or someone else filming me cooking. Um, really ideally me filming someone else cooking because I'm still very much a rookie um, in the kitchen. So that's something I'd like to, like to learn more film more um, alaska actually has kind of a unique set of game utilization um laws like up there you are legally required to take the legs off of cranes and geese so um you know there's there's requirements up there that you know i'm gonna be abiding by and gonna be trying to you know make use of all the game that i shoot up there um you know i've over the last couple of years i've really enjoyed cooking hearts but you know, I'm not the biggest fan of liver. So I'd like to try to figure out a better way to, you know, cook livers, you know, around here, we got the dogs, you know, you just feed the liver to the dogs, but I don't think I'm going to have a dog up there in Alaska. So um, I would rather figure out a way to cook them myself instead of, you know, throwing them outside for the coons or whatever. I don't, I, do they have coons in Alaska? Uh, Probably not. I don't know. Wolverines, weasels, Martins. Martins. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. Mountain lions, just bears. <laughs> yeah just, just stuff like that um it's been really cool the last couple of years a lot of my crew from back home my friends nolan drew um some other guys they've got more into the game utilization thing as well um just not that they weren't eating their birds before or anything like that but just figuring out better ways to cook them and ways to utilize more pieces of the bird um you know everybody seems to really be getting on this skin on trend the last couple of years which i really like to see so um, I'm always interested to see how people utilize duck fat because throwing away duck fat is like, it's a duck hunting sin. In my opinion, duck fat is such, such a good, um, fat source. Like if you're at the minimum, render it down and put it in a jar. Like we got to, we, there's always a jar of duck fat somewhere in Corey's fridge. And I mean, when I'm looking for something to cook with, like I'm going to the duck fat every single time either duck fat or bear grease or uh, yeah, duck fat or bear fat, like my two favorite things to cook with. So, hmm. see, I've, I've never rendered them. You got me intrigued. I'm going to try that this year. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, if it was up to me, I would never cook anything with a vegetable based oil again. And I would only cook with um, fats. Uh, but no, you, you brought up a good point and like, looking back over my duck hunting career, like when I really started doing it, like from where I was in college to where I am now, like just the amount of knowledge I have cooking wise, it's just crazy how much utilization I've increased, but I'm nowhere near to like what I want to be because, you know, I, I want to fully utilize as much as I can. And I've got that Hank Shaw book, duck, duck goose. That thing is awesome. Um, and you know, I, I love sharing recipes, so it's awesome that I hopefully you know you can you can record those and uh, share them. So like maybe I can learn some new new <laughs> tips. Like I know I know I get a lot of requests for my duck chili recipe, and it's like I don't really have a recipe. I just kind of throw together a bunch of stuff <laughs> until it tastes good, and then throw a cinnamon roll in it. But uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll, maybe I'll try to have to record a duck chili thing so I can so people can you know share it with some people, but. Um, goose legs, I do have a recipe I can share with you pretty quick. So you just throw like probably four of them in a crock pot, put some, uh, brown gravy, au jus juice in there, whatever you want to call it and slow cook them for, I don't know, 12 hours to a day until the meat falls off the bone. 
shred that and then throw it in with some new egg noodles and you have goose leg and noodles, basically beef and noodles. So pretty tasty. Throw it on some, uh, eat it like that or throw it on some mashed potatoes. Yep. And you can do crane legs the same way. And crane legs are awesome that way. Um, yeah, crane legs are, crane legs are pretty dang good. So. Yeah, I guess, um, as far as, I, I don't know if I'd really call them goals. Like they've, my, the goal is some point in my life, I guess, or something I'd like to do is, you know, like a, like a deer hunter saying they want to shoot a 200 class whitetail or whatever. I'd like <laughs> to shoot, uh, you know, like a banded goose or a, or a pintail drake with a nice sprig that I can, because uh, I, I, I shot pintail drakes. I just, they've never had a nice sprig. And every time one with a nice sprig comes in, I either don't see it until I'm looking at my shot cam afterwards or I miss. So... <laughs> Maybe this will be the year, but, uh, no, I, I want to say, you know, that's, it's really a goal is just something I hope happens, but yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any, like, I'm not really, I'm not really, I'm not planning on taking any bird specific trips this year. Um, I would like to, would like to get a cinnamon teal. That's like, that's the only puddle duck species that I haven't shot. So I would like to either go down to Texas or um, California and go chase them this year. But like beyond that, I mean, I'm sure I feel like a lot, if you're going to get into like a cool new species, something like really exotic, I feel like Alaska is the place for it. Like, you know, hunting up there for a few weeks, I feel like my odds of shooting your, a Eurasian widgeon or an Aleutian teal or something like that are higher than they would be anywhere else in the country. Um, maybe maybe up in Washington would be better chances for Eurasian widgeon. I don't know how many they really get over in Alaska, but uh, it seems like they're really increasing their population on the West Coast the last few years. So I'd love to shoot one of them. I think like of all the ducks, they're one of the coolest looking. I think they're even, you know, an American widgeon, I think is one of the coolest looking of the North American waterfowl species. And I think a Eurasian widgeon looks way cooler than an American widgeon. So. Uh, I would love to get a Drake, although I guess if I shot him in September, he probably wouldn't have much for colors. Yeah. Yep. But uh, I guess, yeah, I'm not, like you said, I'm not taking any bird specific trips. Um, I am looking to, I guess another goal of mine would be to hunt, hunt some new areas. I'm, I'm, I am looking to hunt new areas because, um, you know, I, that's, that's part of it part like kind of like what you were saying about Alaska is exploring that's what i that's part of what I love about waterfowl hunting and just just exploring new areas, figuring out what works and what doesn't in those areas, and then uh you know you have those to hunt in the future too if you want to so I've got a couple my eyes on a couple areas that I wanna at least scout out and try out, and uh hopefully we'll see if they work this season, yeah, absolutely. Why don't you uh, try and pull a tundra a swan permit in uh, North Dakota? I think the lottery's still open for up there. Uh, I guess I didn't really think about it. Uh, I don't know. I I prefer hunting mountainous areas. Like if I can, I want to. I, like I just want to. It's not even really about the swan. It's just I really want to hunt Utah in the mountains. Like that, that backdrop, you know, I've hunted Wyoming and hunted Canada geese in the mountains there. That was awesome. And so it, it's kind of a combination of I can shoot a swan here with this backdrop. You know, it's it's about the atmosphere for me or the, uh, I guess, I don't, yeah, the atmosphere, the environment. The environment. Yes, thank you. Um, North Dakota, I'm not saying it's not beautiful. There's a ton of wetlands up there from what I understand and some rivers too but there's no mountains. So, <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, honestly, the, when you get out into the rolling prairie part of North Dakota, there's more Hills than you would expect. Like there are, there's still not mountains, but I mean, there's some, there's some peaks for sure. Like, I mean, there's some place, there's some knobs that you could get up on top of and see for a long ways. Uh, but yeah, I get what you're saying about mountains and everything. I just think, North Dakota is, it's such a, uh, such a magical place. Like 
if I was to go, you know, I really always, I've wanted to shoot one in Virginia or North Carolina, especially North Carolina, because North Carolina holds such a huge wintering population for them. And um, snow or uh, swan hunting is like, uh, I don't know if it's like part of the hunting culture down there. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that do it and uh, it's definitely uh, well, people are well versed in it down there. So I felt like I could go out with locals and, and do that in North Carolina, but of like of all the settings that I just feel like are uh, the epitome of waterfowl hunting, like they just make you feel like, like you are close to nature and you, you're the place where the birds want to be like North Dakota is the place in terms of um, the areas that I've traveled to. So uh, I, I would love to shoot a swan out there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's all like you like you were kind of saying, there's all these areas I want to visit. Um, if it has mountains, it's gonna be pretty close to number one on my list: Montana, Utah. Uh, you know, I've hunted Wyoming. I want to get back there. I'd say Colorado, but I think most of the spots where there's mountains, there's a lot of people too. So that's no. you know, there's a lot. Sounds like there's a lot of pressure from what I understand, and not a lot of public, but. Um, you know, maybe, maybe someday I'll get over into Colorado even. Um, but yeah, you know, and North Dakota, it's kind of what you, what you were ex- um, describing it as. It sounds a lot like the sand hills, you know, and I love hunting the sand hills. You know, just, they're not mountains, but they're just gorgeous, especially in the fall when the, when the native grasses are turning orange and red and yellow. Like it, it's just a beautiful setting. It's just, just magnificent. So I'm, I'm excited to get back up there and uh, I guess Elliot's going to join me this year up there. So that that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that too. Um, yeah, that'll be super cool. That's the first I heard of that. So I'll be anxiously awaiting uh, all the videos from that, the, that trip. Yeah. I was, we were talking about it yesterday when we were at Rogers weekend too. And I was asking like, so is Georgia good and like heavy vegetation? We're going to put her to the test and uh <laughs> I was yeah. So he, I think he's pretty excited. I know I'm super excited. It's it's gonna be a great time this fall. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been hearing like I guess you know the last few weeks has been like a good chance for people across the north to uh, really see the bird number. You really get a good gauge on bird numbers. You know, hatches for the most part over. Um, and from what I've been hearing from guys in uh, Minnesota and North Dakota is that boat lot of good hatch in this area um canada sounds like it wasn't so great a lot a lot of dry areas up in saskatchewan and stuff like that but i think overall um i'm pretty optimistic for the u.s fish and wildlife um breeding bird report to come out so and obviously the breeding um the breeding report doesn't count the uh newly hatched birds but I think we had a good bit of, it seems like we had a good bit of water on the landscape this spring and birds responded to it well in the prairie pothole region. Yeah. Yeah. I saw there was some article kind of, it's like there was more water, but they basically kind of said what you said is like, is it good news or is there hidden, you know, hidden bad news or something like that. But we're, uh, we're waiting for the new bird number count to come out and that should be next week, maybe. I want, to say, I want to say it's like August 20th. Um, they're doing like a cool event for it this year. I want to say it was hosted by DU. Um, but they're going to be, they have, it's going to be like a live stream announcement sort of deal. They have like eight different waterfowl conservation professionals that are going to be on talking about oh. all that stuff. So I, uh, I wish I had a link for that handy. I don't know if I could even find one if I looked for it. Uh, no, I, that was, did you see so- that? I did see that. Yeah. Um, I think you can just go on their Facebook page and they had a, I know I saw it on Instagram and Facebook. So yeah. Yeah. Now when you, as soon as you said that, I was like, Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Now I do remember seeing that. So yeah, that'll be, that'll be cool. Yeah. I'm I'm interested to see that and, um, see those guys take on, uh, the numbers. I, I, you know, the one thing I, yeah, I want more than anything is I just don't want the pintails to fall below 1.5 million. Cause if they fall below 1.5 million, then we're looking at a closed season, not for this coming fall, but probably the next one. So uh, yeah, just fingers crossed that the pintails did all right and responded to the water in North Dakota and South Dakota this spring. Yeah. Yep. 
So hopefully, hopefully they can do well. Um, I know I saw a bunch this spring when I was snow goose hunting. It seems like that's when we always see them, but <laughs> yeah, well, I guess, you know, that the uh, season's coming up shortly here. Like we said, I'm actually, I'm pretty pumped. Uh, I'll go off on this tangent real quick, but I'm pretty pumped about uh, opening weekend for dove and teal because we start uh, September 1st dove, which is a Friday. The night before is the first Husker game of the season so i got husker football thursday night dove hunting friday morning teal hunting saturday sunday monday because we have labor day off and then we're off to the races so so you're gonna be hung over for opening day of dove season well, no i'm not gonna <laughs> i might have one or two coors lights watching cheering on the huskers hoping they win and then uh i'm trying to think what time what time is that game because Hopefully, don't keep me up too late so I can wake up, because um, I don't I don't like going on like four hours of sleep for <laughs> for morning hunts or anything like that. So hopefully, it is, it, an, it is an opening day. So I mean, you could just stay up all night and just. <laughs> uh, no, okay. So that funny funny story though about that last year Dove opener. It was a Thursday, um, and I couldn't sleep the night before. Like I was. I was pumped for dove opener. And so like, I think I got out to the dove field. It, it was probably two or three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, are you kidding me? But it was like, what am I going to do? Cause I couldn't get back, get back to sleep. I was just so amped and I was so excited. And I was like, whatever, I'm going to go, I'm going to go out to the dove field and sit out there, you know, find, find the perfect spot and sit out there. And it ended up being really cool because as the sun was coming up before shooting time, I had two or three mule deer bucks walk right across from me. And they sat there and stared at me for like never five to ten yards. And it was also opening day of uh, archery season for deer. So I was like, oh, this is ironic. I'm, you know, I'm not, not even deer hunting. I got these, they were pretty decent bucks, all velveted up. I got footage of them actually, but. Yeah, I remember yeah. you put that in your video. Yeah, that yeah, was really so, cool. Yeah, that was that was really cool. I wish, personally, I wish I would have been able to sleep until you know, like five o'clock or something. But it's like if I get up early, hunt during hunting season, and it's like I can't sleep. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go up and just go out to the marsh or wherever the field. <laughs> yeah. But. Well, it's probably a good place to wrap this one up. I know. Yeah, we're both excited for hunting season right around the corner and i'm sure we'll be on here within the next couple weeks to talk um talk duck finals. Numbers. yeah duck numbers final season plans maybe uh whatever else comes to mind so you want to wrap this one up now you got anything else on the docket nope i think that's it uh be sure to join the facebook group the foul front podcast group there's uh some good discussion going on there and be sure to you know give us some feedback we'd love hearing positive or negative if it's constructive always appreciate that and if you think we've earned it, give us a five-star rating on whatever listing platform. Go follow Thomas on YouTube, Hoke Outdoors. Well, hold off on that for a little while. I'm 500 subs behind him, so I am closing the gap on him quickly. But uh, I'm just kidding. He No, he's got some good content, and if he's putting that Alaska stuff out, that's going to be awesome. To, I mean, there better be some, like, killer B-roll of the Aurora Borealis up there and a a moose, you know, in the morning in a swamp or something like I'm, I'm anticipating this like cinematic just experience from all your future videos in Alaska. So, uh, but no, go check him out and then go check me out. High Prairie Sportsman over on YouTube. Anything to add Thomas? I like that. Yeah. Set the bar high. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really do, I haven't done those type of videos in a long time, but I like it. Yeah. Stoke a little fire and uh, set the bar high. So absolutely appreciate everybody listening. See ya.